Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Anybody bring a Bible today? I said, anybody bring a Bible today? Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 9. I want to dive right into the scripture today. And I don't want to give you yet any context or anything. I want us to read this first and just let it sit. Then we're going to come back and talk context and talk about the setting where this was spoken. Luke chapter number 9. As you're finding it, I want to uh, pray and then we'll read. Father, thank you for this here opportunity to open your word, to hear what you would say to your people. So we submit ourselves to you. We open our hearts. We say, Lord, speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Jesus said you are the teacher and that you would guide us into all truth. So we pray that even now you would do exactly that. Teach us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. Luke chapter number 9. I want to begin reading at verse number 23. This is Jesus speaking. Listen to this. It says, then Jesus, or then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He goes on to say, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Verse 25, he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? My, my, my. Before we dive in, let me ask you a question. How many of you, by a show of hands, this is not to incriminate anyone, you're not going to be in any trouble, I promise you. How many of you, by a show of hands, have a social media account? Anybody? Just any social media account. Good. I guess I should ask. How many of you have never been on social media at all? Anybody? Good. You notice my wife and two others are the only ones who have not done that. My wife doesn't do social media. She's just like, that's not for her, so she doesn't do it. But how many of you know that since the early 2000s, maybe even the late 1990s, uh, social media kind of began to slowly ramp up and to, to, to take over things? You know, I graduated high school in the year of 1999. Now, some of you are younger than me, and you're looking at me like, he is the ancient of days. Wow, 99. Then others of you are looking at me like, he's just a baby, right? It's just... <laughs> It just depends on where you land. <laughs> it's all good, though. Like, I get it. But social media came up right around the time when I graduated high school. And it didn't start with what we know now. It started with things like Friendster or, or things like, like this one, one website called Six Degrees, based on the six degrees of separation. And it began with stuff like, you guys may know this one, MySpace. Anyone ever heard of that? MySpace. And then, like, there began to be, like, professional type of social media, like LinkedIn and, and things of that sort that people would follow. But there's so many more now, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and even YouTube is considered social media. Snapchat, TikTok, et cetera. I mean, these things top the list right now. Social media is something that has really taken over so much so that when I say words like like, follow, subscribe, tweet, retweet, <laughs> share. Those are words you guys all understand. You're like, oh yeah, I've heard those. That's in our vernacular today. We understand that type of language. The issue is though, although we would say in America social media started in the year 1999, early 2000s, I want to remind you that Jesus was asking people to follow him thousands of years ago. This is not something that's brand new. See, this is not something that we made up in America. I know we do think that a lot of times. We think we're America. We invented everything. No, Jesus was inviting people to follow him thousands of years ago to get up close and get to know who he is. 
It's interesting because if you follow any of these quote-unquote influencers, you'd recognize you click follow on a social media account, and what it does now is automatically updates you with what they're doing or what they post. So you can follow close enough to learn from an influencer on social media. I want to read this to you, in fact. From this website, bigcommerce.com, it says this, follows are distinct from likes and shares, whereas likes, retweets, and shares indicate that people find value in an individual post, a follow expresses interest in receiving constant updates. A follow indicates a higher level of engagement with an audience, giving it more value than other types of engagement. You see, follows, when you follow someone, you say, I want to know every single detail. Jesus says this, if any of you wants to be my disciple, or if any of you want to follow me, you must do these three things. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Notice he says, daily and follow me. Now, before we really dive into this, I want to give you a little context. We started reading there in verse number 23. But I want to back up to Luke chapter 9, verse number 18. And I want you to see how Jesus lays this out. If you ever get a chance to read the book of Luke in its entirety, it will really paint a better picture to you of what what Luke, the author, was really saying in the Gospels by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But look at Luke chapter number 9, verse 18. It says, and it happened as Jesus was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist? But some say Elijah. And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And he strictly, Jesus strictly warned and commanded them to tell no one of this, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. It's following that, that Jesus says. And by the way, if any of you want to become my disciples, if any of you want to follow me, this is what it's going to take. Self-denial, denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following after me. I need you to hear this. This is the first time in Luke's gospel that Jesus clearly instructs his disciples regarding what it's going to take to follow him. I was praying and asking the Lord for some time now. This message has been on my heart for quite a while and asking him, Lord, what is it about this? Why is it that you want me to share this specific message? This is not the most jolly message in the entire world. Why do you want me to share this? And listen, I believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit inspired me to share this because we are entering into times when we live today that we're going to have to more than ever deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow Jesus. The truth of the world, the matter is the world is getting darker and darker and darker. And we are the light. Can somebody say amen? And as the light, we have to choose to take a stand, not on our own two feet, but on the Word of God. And as we stand on the Word of God, we can shine brighter and brighter, even in the midst of darkness. He's calling us to be people willing to say, it's no longer about me, it's about Him. Jesus says, listen, disciples, who who do people say that I am? What are you guys hearing out there? Oh, man, some are saying that you're John the Baptist. Some are saying you're Elijah. Some are saying one of the old prophets came back to life. He goes, yeah, but who do you say that I am? That's the question I believe Jesus wants to ask us today. Who do you say that he is? Is Jesus just a good man who walked long ago? We follow him and kind of follow his teachings because he was a good person. Is Jesus just someone that we can look to and say, man, I wish I had high moral values like him? 
Or is Jesus, like Peter had revelation of, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah of God, God in the flesh? See, it's different. Depending on how you answer that question should depend, determine how you live your life. Can I say that again more clearly? The way you answer that question should determine how you live your life. If Jesus was just a good moral person, then good. You can have some good morals. I hope that works out for you. But if Jesus was who he said he was, the anointed of God, God in the flesh, God who came down, emptying himself according to Philippians 2, living the life we couldn't live, dying the death we should have died, being raised again. If that's who Jesus is, it changes how we live if we truly believe that. Jesus says very clearly, I am going to die. The disciples are probably in awe because you guys remember all the stories, right? Jesus is walking through the village. He sees somebody, hey, you, follow me. They're like, all right, cool. They start following Jesus, right? Why? Because in that context, that was normal. A rabbi was something that any student of the scripture would try to find. So when a rabbi would point to you and say, come follow me, it's like, oh, wow, what a great invitation. I want to follow the rabbi. In fact, early Jewish leaders would follow their rabbi so much that if the rabbi had a limp, that even the students would begin to develop that same type of limp because they were emulating everything they could about this rabbi. This is the context in which Jesus is calling these people and saying, follow me, follow me. And they got it until he said this. Hey, by the way, who does everyone say that I am? Yeah, but who do you say that I am? Good, Peter, you caught something. Now listen to this. I'm going to be hated by the priest. I'm going to be hated by the religious leaders. They are going to kill me literally. I am going to die for this. And by the way, if you truly want to follow me, then it's going to take you denying yourself, you taking up your cross and you coming after me to be my disciple. That paints a completely different picture of this text. Completely different picture of this text. By a show of hands, how many of you like receiving invitations to fun places? Anyone? Birthday parties, weddings, anything like that? Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand. He's talking death and stuff. I'm not sure. <laughs> Birthday parties, <laughs> weddings, those kind of things. It's something special about it. When you get an invitation in the mail, specifically something like a wedding, right? You get a wedding invitation. I don't know about you men. I'll be honest. Most men are like, oh, it's just a wedding invitation. And I tried to play that for some time. But honestly, I get excited to look at the invitations. Like I want to see because to me that invitation is the first representation of this couple, right? So it's like, let me see what colors they chose. Oh, yeah, that's actually a good color scheme. That's nice. Let me see the font. Oh, wow. Like I like that. I think that's super cool, you know. Invitations are fun, especially when they're just something awesome. But can I go off script for just a moment here? Here's the truth. The invitation that Jesus lays out is amazing. But you got to hear me. But it's not going to be going to this beautiful wedding where you don't have to do anything. You just sit back and enjoy and say, oh, wow, they look so beautiful. Did you get a picture? Did you take a picture? That, that's not what he's inviting us into. He's inviting us to actively participate in this thing. Can you imagine that kind of wedding? You're reading, oh, Johnny and Susie are getting married. Wow, they've invited us to join. What? Oh, oh, they want us to, wait, what's that? It's to sing a song. Oh, and they want us to cook, too. <laughs> hmm. I don't know if I'm available that day. Let me see. <laughs> Things change when you have to be involved, right? It changes everything. Listen, Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to come be a part. And if you want to follow me, it's a wide open invitation to anybody who wants it. But it's going to take you denying yourself. I'm going to jump into those three things really quick. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, Jesus invites us to selfless living. Jesus invites us to selfless living. You guys remember uh, King Solomon, 
the wisest king Israel's ever had. He prayed and, and he worshiped and, and he sacrificed actually over a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. And the Lord appears to him in a dream to ask him what he wants. He can ask for anything. He has the Lord as his audience and he asks for wisdom to lead God's people. And God gives him that wisdom, but he also gives him power and finances and, and long life and all that good stuff with it. But King Solomon, we usually know him for the book of Proverbs, right? Like a lot of the Proverbs we read today are from King Solomon. But did you know he wrote another book as well? A book by the name of Ecclesiastes. And it's interesting because you can contrast these two books. Because in, in the Proverbs, he's just laying out this amazing wisdom. But in Ecclesiastes, you kind of read it and you, you pause. You think, is this, is this guy okay? Is everything okay with him? Is, is he going through? Like, he's on something, right? Like something's different. But I want to I point your attention to something he says in light of what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must first deny yourself. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse number 10 says. The King Solomon writing, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil or all my work. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Listen, I'm telling you, context brings these things to life. When you consider who this is writing, the king, can you, can you just imagine with me, if you were so powerful, had so much wealth and authority, that anything you saw, anything you desired, you could have. King Solomon, the one who had over a thousand ladies in his life, this king is saying, hey, I had it all. Anything I wanted, I, I pursued and I got it. I denied myself nothing. But in the end, you know what I realized? All of that was meaningless and chasing after the wind. This morning in my hotel, I looked out the window and it was kind of drizzly. And I told my wife, I said, man, it's, it's windy today because the wind was blowing at the time. Can you imagine if after service we're all done, we're all shaking hands, giving hugs. All right, God bless you. We go outside and you walk out towards your car. And as you're walking to your car, you see someone doing this. You say, uh, bro, you okay? What you doing? Oh, bro, I'm, I'm chasing the wind. I'm going to catch it one day, too. I'm going to get it. How many of you know, most of us would say, well, you be blessed, brother. God bless you, right? <laughs> and, and go on about our lives, right? Something's wrong with him. We're going to pray in the car, right? When we get in the car, we're going to pray. <laughs> Solomon said, I went after every single thing my heart desired. I denied myself nothing. And in the end, it was meaningless. It was pointless. It was chasing after the wind. Every time I got close enough to where I thought I would capture it, I would get what would fulfill me. I'd grab a hold of it and realize that's empty too. And then I'd find something else and I'd want that and I'd get that or I'd get her and I'd take this substance and I'd do this thing and I'd go to this place and all of it was simply empty. Jesus is saying though, if you want to truly live your real life, it's not taking and getting whatever you can. It's denying yourself. And saying no to the urges of the flesh, saying no to the things that this sinful nature wants, and saying yes to who he is. If you truly want to be my disciple, it starts there. He goes on to say this, take up your cross daily. Go ahead and write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus invites us to find our purpose. (laughs) The cross to Jesus wasn't just an ornament or a chain we wear around our neck. The cross to Jesus was a gruesome, horrible death. 
Listen to this, though. The cross to Jesus was a physical demonstration of his amazing love. See, I need you to hear this. Jesus is talking to disciples who understand what the cross represented because they lived within Roman rule. They recognized because they had probably seen people hung on crosses before because the Romans would utilize crucifixion almost as a scare tactic. They would publicly crucify people so that those who even had the inkling of thought to rebel against Rome would say, ah, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm I'm not going to do that. They would publicly hang these people up so that others would be deterred from rebelling. Matter of fact, Pastor David alluded to what Star and I did in the military. We had the privilege of being stationed in Great Falls, Montana. We worked underground in nuclear weapon silos, ICBMs. So these are weapons that can launch from the United States to anywhere in the world within 30 minutes. These are devastating weapons, right? They're extremely powerful. These are weapons we hope we never have to use. In fact, the United States does not take a first strike position. We actually take a retaliatory position to where we use our weapons as a deterrence. Because people know we have massive ICBMs all over that could hit any place in the world within this time frame. It deters them from launching a nuclear strike against us. Because they think, if I do that, then they're going to do that and do the little bit of math here. Death. Okay, yeah, we're good. Right? Well, Jesus, or excuse me, well, Rome was using that deterrent type of mentality to say, let's hang people publicly so that when other people see it, it would deter them from even wanting to rebel against us. So when Jesus tells his disciples to deny themselves, they're like, yeah, I get that. But when he says take up their cross, that had to hit them hard. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, do you, what do you mean take up your cross? See, let me read this to you. Colleen Schreier, Ph.D. at Azusa Pacific University, she says this, and I quote, she says, Crucifixion was invented by the Persians between 300 and 400 B.C. It is quite possibly the most painful death ever invented by humankind. The English language derives the word excruciating from crucifixion, acknowledging it as a form of slow, painful suffering. Its punishment was reserved for slaves, foreigners, revolutionaries, and the vilest of criminals. And Jesus looks his disciples right in their face and says, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, I want to throw this in here really quickly. I mentioned earlier that I do believe with all my heart that we're coming to a time where we as the believers, the body of Christ, are going to have to stand on the word of God more than we ever have before. Listen, I need you to hear this. Persecution will come. I'm going to quote some scripture here in a moment. Just don't get nervous. Persecution will come. See, if we lie to people and we tell them, just give your life to Jesus and nothing will ever go wrong again. We're setting them up for failure. My concern, and this is a concern I take to the Lord with me even, like, Lord, help me, strengthen me. My concern is that the American church has been so comfortable for so long that if someone was to really stand up and say, today is the day things change, and if you name the name of Jesus, you will not live past this minute. Listen. I'm not standing on stage pretending like, oh, yeah, just me. I'm not putting me there first. But what I'm standing on the stage saying is that we have to have the kind of resolve and the kind of faith that even if that was the case, that we would stand strong and say, no, we believe that to be with Jesus on the other side is even better than what we have now. So to be absent from this body is to be with him. So even if I die now, even if you kill me today, I am not turning from him because I believe he died for me so that I can be made new, so that I can spend eternity with him. You see, we have to get to the point where the eternal life with Jesus is more real even than what we see right now. Yes, 
When we get to that point, yes, persecution may come. Yes, you may be afraid. Yes, you may be dreading it. But if it comes, we can still stand in faith believing, Lord, I believed you unto salvation in life. I believe you even through death that I'm going to be with you because you conquered sin, death, and the grave. And if you did it, I did it because I believe in you. This is how we have to believe. If not, when, not if, but when hard times come, we'll fall away. Let it not be named among us. 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Matthew 10, 38, listen to what Jesus says. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Taking up the cross may not be literally carrying a cross, but what is God's purpose for your life? How did he make you? What, did he, what is your specific bent? What are the giftings that he's given you? Take up your gifting. Take up your calling. Take up what God has for you. Live that thing out now. That's how you take up your cross. Some of you are singers. Some of you are inventors. Some are doctors. Some work right down the road here, right down the road there. Are you being on mission for Jesus wherever you are? When you're at home with your children, are you being on mission for Jesus wherever you are? That's how you take up your cross. Deny yourself that says, well, I want more money. I want to do this. I want to do that. Say, put that aside and say, Jesus, what is the cross you've given me to carry? I'm going to carry that cross all the way to the end. That's how we do this thing. If we practice while it's easy, we will be ready for the game when it's hard. We got to start now. Amen. Lastly, Jesus invites us, if you're writing notes, write this down. Jesus invites us to become his disciples. Literal translation would be to follow Jesus. A disciple is simply a disciplined follower of. Well, we want to be disciplined followers of Jesus. This is Jesus saying, if you submit to his discipleship process, you let him be your teacher. You let him show you the way. See, in, in the, today's world, follow is simple. You just click a button. And every once in a while, you get a notification. And if you feel like it, you can see, well, what did they post? Please don't let that be your discipleship model. Well, Jesus, if you post something in the scripture, if I like it, I might click. Oh, I didn't like it. Let me thumbs down that one. Mm. Mm -mm, Jesus, let me just scroll past Jesus today. Jesus is on one today. I'm not with that. No, no. Mm -mm. How many of you know that's not real life discipleship? But listen, that's what the world is feeding us. That's what they're telling us. Follow and like what you like and just only click when you want to and only subscribe when you want to. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying if you even want to be named amongst those who are my disciples, if you truly want to be someone I recognize as a disciple, it starts with denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. How many of you know following Jesus is not always the easiest route? I was with Pastor David and Pastor Tiffany yesterday, and they were just sharing the story about how they came to Memphis. And I was just thinking, like, man, isn't it amazing how, like, these guys are in California, in Southern California. They are in Orange County in Southern California. They're, they're, they're close to the beach. I mean, people, people want to live in California for some reason, right? Like, they, they just think it's beautiful there. And the Lord speaks to them and says, you go to Memphis. <laughs> Somebody felt that. <laughs> you guys go to Memphis. I have work for you in Memphis. And they could have said, wow, man, I don't know what I ate, but something is not sitting with me, right? You know, it's just, that's not Jesus. But because they're disciples, oh, come on, somebody. Because they've decided to deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow Jesus. When they heard it and they felt the stirring, they didn't back up. They leaned into it. Lord, is that you saying, if that's you on the water, call me, tell me to come. I'll come. 
Yeah, I, I want you guys to come to Memphis. All right, well, let's, let's start doing what we got to do to get things ready because we're moving to Memphis. And guess what? Here we are. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that you didn't know them prior to this? But God knew you and he knew them. And he knew that your story and your cross, their story and their cross, somehow was supposed to intersect. See, this is beautiful. This is how the Lord works. There are people in Memphis that don't know Jesus yet. See, but Jesus himself is not going to come down and carry a cross again. He already did that. But he said, David, I give you a cross. Tiffany, I give you a cross. You, I give a cross. You, I give a cross. You, I give a cross. Now get out there and carry that cross so people in Memphis can come know Jesus. This is how we do it. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. This is how he set this thing up. So if you want to become my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's hard because we want to follow ourselves. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. almost every day. It's so good. It's like programmed. Apple made it easy. You can set it once and forget it. does it itself, right? The alarm goes off, and every day I don't want to get up. being real with you. I don't. And I have to think, come on, man, you need to spend time with Jesus. Come on, you need to pray with your wife. Come on, you got to do this. And now, don't get me wrong, I love Jesus, but somehow in my life, I'm 41 years old. I'm still in my 40s. And I've learned how to love sleep. Nobody wants to admit that, huh? (laughs) Something in me, like the sleep is good sometimes. You know the kind of sleep, you don't even realize that you're smiling in your sleep. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I feel like right around 4.50 a.m., <laughs> that's when the smile comes out. Then the alarm goes off. And I try to tell myself, come on, man. If you don't get time with Jesus, if you don't get that word inside of you, if you don't know him intimately, how are you going to lead your family? How are you going to lead the ministry God's given you? Listen, I wish I could say I was perfect at it. I wish I could say every single day, I never missed a day. 41 years, never, ever missed a day. But, man, I try with my heart before the Lord. Lord, help me. Help me to get up and get that time with you. I need to be with you. Why? I'm trying to deny myself daily, take up my cross and follow Jesus. I need to know what his word says. I need to put his word inside of me. Because, listen, from the abundance of the heart, of course, the mouth speaks. But remember, in, the, in the, the proverb as well, it tells us very clearly that whatever is in your heart determines the boundaries of your life. Oh, yeah. So how far you will go or will not go is determined by what's in your heart. Yeah. So if the word is not in your heart, then you'll just do what the world says. Absolutely. But if the word is in your heart, you do what the word says and you get the results the word says. Come on, somebody. This is just how you do it. Amen. So we're making the decision to say, I Don't want to take the shortcut the easy way. I want to follow Jesus. Listen to what it says here in Matthew 7, verse 13. I took this out of the message translation. I know this is a paraphrase, but I really love the way this is written. Listen to what it says. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, don't look for shortcuts to God. (laughs) You can stop right there. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Wow. Now listen, it's true because remember, he says there's a broad road and there's a narrow road. The broad road, many are going to get, that's the easy way. But the narrow road is difficult. It takes attention when you're on the narrow road. I remember when I was in the Air Force, 
my team went out to a site to go work on the silo there. And we were finishing up the site, and we got a call from what's called a missile alert facility. It's a facility that controls a certain amount of missiles. And they called us, and they said, we have a site. Some of the backup power is down. Everything is good with the grid right now, but the backup power is down. We need you guys to, to divert yourselves and go straight there and get it back up. So my team chief at the time, he's looking at his map, and he goes, okay, I see a route we can take. Isn't an authorized route? And the guys say, yeah. They say, but people don't use that route very often, so be careful. Now, it's really neat because the way we would go out to the field, we'd have an, an uh, expedition that can sit about eight, and that's where the, most of the team would be. Then we'd have this 18-wheeler that was, if you like tools, this thing was amazing. Like this 18-wheeler, the whole back of it was just decked out with every single tool you can imagine. And every tool had a specific place and was labeled, had inventory sheets. Like it was beautiful. And I was one of the drivers of the 18-wheeler. But on this day, I wasn't driving. I was riding shotgun, right? Sitting, you guys get that shotgun? Okay, good. I want to make sure we're good. So I'm sitting passenger. I was sitting in the passenger seat. We're driving, and my team chief says, hey, to the guy who's driving, he goes, these roads we're about to go on, they're, they're really steep and they're really narrow. So you have to be careful. He's like, yeah, I got this. So we're driving, and I'm watching the expedition in front of us, and it's on this road, and it's so narrow, and I'm thinking, oh, no. Then I think about the fact that we're in this big old 18-wheeler. Like, we're following them. So my team chief, the expedition, takes off, and they stop way up, and he gets out, and he's looking back at us, and he's doing this. Slow down, slow down. He's literally doing that, and I'm in the passenger seat like, oh, Jesus, right? <laughs> What's happening? So I look to my left at about 45 degrees. I can see the side view mirror, and I can see the back wheels of this 18-wheeler, and I can see dirt crumbling off the road off the side of this little hill, and I'm like... This is horrible, right? So I'm like encouraging the driver, you got this, man. You're the best driver we got. You can do this, right? <laughs> what am I going to do, right? I'm just encouraging, you can do this, bro. Like, whoo. But my adrenaline is pumping. I'm like tense. Like, we're, you, you got this, yeah. So we finally get down the hill. We make it. Nobody dies. We're not on the news. And my adrenaline just releases. And I kid you not, I passed out like an old lady somewhere. Like, I was just... I slept the rest of the way. So we got to the site. They were like, are you all right? I said, man, y'all done scared me, man. <laughs> what was going on? But let me tell you, that was a narrow road that required all of our attention. You couldn't be playing around on a road like that. You couldn't be, I don't know if we're going to, should we go this way? What? That's not how this works. You better focus on what's going on. Listen, the Bible is calling us and saying the road to salvation is simple by grace and faith, but this road to heaven, the road to walk, it's not this big wide road where you can do whatever you want. It's a narrow road that Jesus is calling us to. He's saying, here I am. I'm the one that died on the cross. And if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take of your cross and follow me. I love how simple his teachings are, but they're not easy. You guys remember Peter and John, we alluded to earlier, they did the same thing. Jesus comes and steps on one of their boats and asks them to put out a little bit from water, from the land, excuse me. And they do so. Jesus begins to teach. You guys know, uh, first, it helps protect him from the crowd. Secondly, water is a natural amplifier. So as Jesus is speaking, sound waves are bouncing off the water and carrying his voice to the crowd. So he's speaking, he's preaching. When he's done, he looks over at these fishermen who had been cleaning their nets, and he's like, hey, let down your nets for a catch. And these cats are like, this man is nuts. Isn't it funny? He's like, you stick to preaching, I'll stick to fishing, right? But Peter goes, all right, we'll do it. 
let down their nets. They catch this amazing catch, astonishing catch, so much so that as they get the fish in the boat, they have to summon to their partners who come over and help them. They fill both boats with fish, so much so that the boats begin to sink. Listen, I told you me and my son love to fish. We have never caught that many fish. Can you imagine catching so many fish your boat is sinking? The boats are sinking, but somehow they manage to get them to the shore. Listen to what happens. When they had done so, it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came, filled both boats, so they begin to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For Simon and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Here it is. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. Oh, snap. Left everything and followed him. Any business owners in here? Got a few? Yep. How many of you know Black Friday just passed? Black Friday is not just for black people, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I tell my little brother, I said, Black Friday is every Friday for me. That's just what I do. But uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> but in reality, they call it Black Friday because if you were maybe in the red in your books, you can sell so much that you can make it to the black. All right? So if you're a business person, you have the biggest sales day you've ever had. Right? These guys are fishermen. They caught the most fish they'd ever caught. That's money. That's livelihood. That's what they were working for. But they encountered someone greater than all that. So they were willing to leave all of that. Just, oh, man, that was awesome, but we want you, not that. They left everything. They followed Jesus. I want to close today by two verses, something simple today. <clears throat> As I was praying for us today, specifically Memphis, Memphis Tabernacle and what we'd be doing here, I knew that the Lord wanted to speak to people because that's what he does. He's faithful, amen. But here's what we have to ask ourselves. One, are we denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following Jesus? That's, that's the obvious question. Man, am I doing that? Hopefully as I was sharing this, the Holy Spirit was working in your heart and you were even having that type of uh, reflection in your own heart. Like, man, am I doing this? My wife asked me the other day something to the effect of, is there more that you feel like you could give to the Lord? It wasn't those exact words, but something along those lines. I said, there is. And we began to talk a little bit more about it. Because let's be honest, we as humans, we like to find patterns. And it's easy for us to fall into, okay, I go to church, and then I pray at this time, and I do this. Well, good, I'm good, I'm a Christian. Check box number one, check box number two. Check. But Jesus is asking for everything. Everything. My wife challenges me with this all the time. Because she's the kind of person that when you go out to a restaurant, she actually cares about the person serving. She'll ask them their name. And every time, I'm like, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> what is your name? Where are you from? She's talking to these people, and I'm like, God, I got to get better at this. But what I love about it is, to me, that's just her being on mission all the time. I'm just thinking, man, what's for dinner? She's thinking there's people that we're going to encounter on the way to dinner. Remember Jesus said something, I have food that you do not know of. 
I think my wife's tapped into that. Maybe I should learn some of that. Because I'm thinking, like, are we going to Burger King? Are we going, where are we going? Like, where are we going to eat? And she's thinking, there's lives on the line. See, am I denying myself? Am I taking up my cross? Am I following Jesus daily in everything? That's the, that's the obvious question. The other question I think is one between just you and God. Lord, what are the areas? What are those things that maybe I don't even realize that I'm holding back from you? What are the patterns I've fallen into that you're trying to shake me out of so that I can see how to walk even more intimately with you? Listen, these are honest questions you shouldn't just ask yourself on Sunday. You shouldn't just ask the Lord on Sunday. These are questions we should be talking to the Lord about every day. Lord, what am I holding back from you? Here's the faithful part. When we ask, he answers. But what I love is this. If I serve it up, hit the ball over the net by asking the question, well, he's going to catch it. He's going to hit it right back. He answers. Well, guess what? He hit it back. Now the ball's back in my court. What am I going to do about what he said? Let me read this to you. Some of you get nervous when we talk about leaving everything and following Jesus, denying ourselves. And I love what Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 says. It's, actually, I'll start in 25. It says this, it says, but Jesus called his disciples to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercised authority over them. Listen to what he says in verse 26. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. What I love about this is I believe Jesus is just teaching his disciples his form of leadership. He's not going to lord it over you. It's not a, a hard bearing down leadership where it's like, you better serve me and do what I want. It's him saying, come. Come follow me. In fact, listen to the way it's written in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And again, I'll read out of the message translation. Jesus says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Here's his answer. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Listen to this. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Golly. The same God who's saying, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me is saying, when you follow me, let me show you how to do it. I'll show you how to walk in a way that's not stressing you out and burning you out. I'll show you how to walk in a way that helps you actually gain endurance instead of lose endurance. I'll teach you how to do this thing and I won't put anything ill-fitting on you. How many of you say, Lord, I need that, I want that. Right where you are, right where you are. Don't stand up yet, right where you are. Let's just bow our heads right here. Let's not wait. You can talk to God right now about this. You can ask God right now, Lord, what are those areas where I'm not denying myself, where I'm not taking up my cross, where I'm not following you? Lord, show me what I'm holding back from you. Show me today. Come on, I can't pray for you. You got to pray. I can pray in agreement, but you got to talk to God. Lift your voice and begin to talk to him. Father, we come before you today. We submit ourselves to you today. We want to be those who truly are your disciples. You've given us step by step, deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow you. 
Lord, help us to do that. Our flesh doesn't want to, but our spirit is willing, God. So here we are saying, Lord God, show us those areas. Show us those ways, those places where we're hiding or keeping them back from you. Let us surrender every part of our lives to you, every single part of our lives to you. Lord, we're grateful that you don't only ask us to do these things, but you also help us to do these things. You're so amazing that you do so. You not only give us the desire to want to do and the will to do it, but also the ability to do it. So, Lord, as we stop right now and we just simply confess anything that we've been hiding from you or holding from you, we confess, Lord, any of those secret things that, that no one else even knows about, just us and you, Lord, we come and we just say, Lord, we confess those things. We confess hiding this from you. We confess it as sin. We receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. We thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us. And Lord, we receive that today. And now we say, now that nothing is hidden, now that everything is in the open, Lord, here it is. We lay it down at your feet. And we say, oh Lord, we choose to follow after you. We truly want to be your disciples. So we're choosing right now to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses. Show us, Lord what our cross is, our purpose. What is it, Father? What do you have for us on this earth? Show us, God, so we can take up our cross every day, not just on the weekend, not just sometime, Lord, but every day. And the Lord, strengthen us by the power of your Spirit to follow you and be witnesses for you all over the place. Only you can help us to do this. In fact, church, if you agreed with that, I want you to pray this out loud. Repeat after me. Say, Dear God, I surrender everything every part of me to you. I no longer want to hold anything back. I no longer want to hide anything. I only want what you want. I want to be your disciple. I no longer want to be burned out. I no longer want to be tired. I want to walk with you. I want to learn from you. I want what you want. And that's to be your disciple all the days of my life. Strengthen me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Enable me, empower me so that I can be your witness every day in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap our hands and let's thank God for his faithfulness today. Praise God. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.